podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Oh, the shark bait has such teeth there, and it shows them pearly white. So welcome everybody to this latest episode of Macklin's Take with me, Andy Clark and Matt Macklin. Hope everybody is well. It's uh, it's a very fine day here in East London today. It's Friday. It's Friday, October the 22nd, around about lunchtime we're recording this. I I have a day of exhilarating logistical tasks ahead of me after we've we finished this. So I'll probably stretch this out for as long as I possibly can. Um, filling in forms and washing clothes and stuff like that because... I'm off to the World Amateur Championships in Serbia tomorrow for two weeks, which is going to be great. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. These tournaments are always tremendous. The, the standard of boxing is just off the scale. Um, and this one's particularly interesting because it comes right off the back of an Olympic Games, which it doesn't normally. And we'll see lots of, lots of new faces because fighters turn pro. All the England fighters, for example, if you follow the amateurs, you'll know, you'll know where they are, but, but they haven't been on this kind of on this kind of stage before. So me and Big Ron McIntosh, um, my partner in crime for that one. Uh, so that, 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 yeah, really looking forward to that. And you can follow it. You can follow it via the IEBA website. Um, every fight's going to be, going to be streamed if, if, uh, if you're into the, into the elite amateurs. So plug for that over <laughs> onto today's episode. And I say this quite often, but it's always true. Today we're joined by somebody who we've been meaning to get on for a good while because we knew that this was going to be will be an interesting conversation um and then a truly serendipitous event occurred uh, a week or so ago they were both on the same train our guest today <laughs> and Macklin uh coming back from a recent show in Newcastle um they had a chat and and Matt messaged me and said listen we we, we need to get we need to get him on um let's do it this week um I can imagine it was like you know we're talking about a meeting of great boxing minds there to, to intellectual boxing powerhouses, locking horns, kind of across a, a table in first class. It must have been first class, given the who, 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 who else was there with Matt? <laughs> Not me. <laughs> our, our guest, is, uh, uh, as you know, um, is Sam Jones. Is Sam Jones, now formerly of S-Jam Boxing, currently... Uh, of probellum and uh, we'll get to that we'll get to that in a in a little while so sam we what we're what we're all what we're always really interested to talk about um on the pod is how people got into boxing uh, how particularly on the kind of on on the logistical administrative managerial side of it how how did you get into it because this isn't something that either of us it's certainly something that i've not spoken to you about you might have gone into it on the train the other day but how did it happen for you? Um, a big fluke, to be honest with you, Andy. A big, it's just, it just what it was. Um, I've always been in and around the, the, the circuit. Like I was, I've always like I, I spent a lot of time in Bolton with uh, with Peter Fury, so I, I knew Peter Fury very uh, very well. And he's like, I got a lot of my contacts like kind of through him. But ultimately, um, this is genuinely how it went. Um, Savannah Marshall was was uh, wanting to turn pro. I um, I said to her, look, let, let, let me help you. Like, I was all excited. Let, let me help you. And it sounds crazy, this does, but I've, I've, I've said this story a, a few times, but like not probably not into great detail. So I thought to myself, I need to do something big. 
I need to do something like out of it's out of the norm because it's like my only my only shot. So I thought to myself, I want to get a I want to get her with Floyd Mayweather for some reason. Floyd Mayweather is the biggest star in boxing, so I, it's like literally. Can you imagine? It's like if you had a daughter, she went home to your mum and said, "Oh, I'm just I'm going to get a, a record deal with Beyonce." Like it's that it's that it's that kind of crazy. But obviously, I was I, I thought to myself, I, I've got to do it. So. I went down on Floyd's list of people, of contacts, and they've all got like hundreds of thousands of followers, all of his friends, all like. And there was one guy that had a private account and I've seen him before. He was always, he's always with Floyd. He's like very like lifelong friend, uh, friends with Floyd. And uh, he was actually the di- one of the, di- the directors and one of the actors in the film, the Tupac film, the All Eyes on Me. So I thought he didn't have that many followers. So I thought I'd DM him, DM, keep DM him. I DM'd him like three times, he responded. Got talking, told him I had Savannah, told him the backstory of the Clarissa Shields situation that, that I believe that Floyd would be interested in, in this, in this, in this, because Clarissa's over there and it's, it's a story. It, it, and funny enough, he put me, he got me in contact with um, one of Floyd's handlers and Floyd Mayweather was coming over um, to the UK for the, what fight was it? My God, I cannot remember. Liam Walsh against Javante Davis. Do you remember that? At the, at the Copper Box. So Floyd came over with with Tank to 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 promote it, and I and I uh, been speaking to his handler, and his handler says, "Okay, you've got you've got you're gonna have, you're gonna have uh, five minutes to talk with Floyd Mayweather." And even that in itself is mad. So when I got there, I was sitting there thinking, "My God, I'm gonna have five minutes to speak to him." So at the end of the press conference, because I know he was being all like he was winding up the Walsh brothers. Can you remember like he was standing on the top of the thing and he was goading them? So I was thinking, "Oh my life!" Like. Gonna have five minutes with this guy. So after then, it was in, I can't remember what hotel it was. It was what I think it was. Um, I can't remember what hotel it was. Uh, uh, the landmark, maybe. My landmark, mate, maybe. I can't. I can't actually. Um, actually remember what hotel it was. But Floyd came back, and his uh, his his uh, his assistant, this lady, that said, Sam, he go put me into this room, and I'm like, I'm standing in front of Floyd Mayweather. That's that's the, genuinely. So I'm standing. I'm looking at him like this got a crappy watch on and he's look he keeps looking at my watch he never said one thing to me and then I, and, I, and I'm standing and I look and I look and sound like Gareth Gates in his pop idol audition so I'm like I'm just trying to gather my thoughts and he keeps looking at my watch and he goes where did you get that watch from man I'm like like why is he talking about my, I'm thinking in my head why is he talking about my watch why is he talking about my watch and he's just like constantly like looking at watch he goes you got to get a better watch than that and I'm in like some 80 pound suit from from Zara or wherever I got it from I'm like just looking at him like thinking right he's gonna like, finally let me speak told him about the um told him about the Savannah Marshall he, he, he don't know whether he was interested or not but then I started I started saying to you about about Clarissa Shields he knew Clarissa Shields and then he just goes to me just stop right there and then he goes he, he, he got me in contact with Leonard Ellaby, gave me his number. So then I went for dinner with Leonard Ellaby that same day. And then th- literally three days a- after that, my fr- um, the guy who I'd been in contact with, um, Deshaun Wayne, his name was, um, he uh, contacted me with Floyd Mayweather. So Floyd Mayweather FaceTimed me at 2 a.m. in the morning. I'm not joking. So, I, so I've got a phone call at 2 a.m. saying, yeah, we're going to get this deal done. And then that's just basically how... How, how it happened and that's where I kind of got my myself involved in boxing it's where my name like kind of say blew up but like that's where that's where it stems from I've tried to keep that as short as possible because it is like it's so far-fetched and like it's it's, it's mad yeah I love it I love it that's um I mean how 
how nervous were you before that five minutes? Like the night before that, how, how many, that, that is, cause you know that this is a window, this is a chance and yeah. it might not come again. And sometimes you don't want to try and build things up too much because you might, you, you, we, we don't know how we will react in certain situations. You might freeze, but then again, at the same time, you want to make sure that you're absolutely aware of just how important this could be. It's a difficult kind of balance to strike. Yeah, a hundred percent. And like this, I'm not, I'm not a nervous person. I'm really not like I'm used. I was used to talking in front of crowds of people before I've done it, like from my, my old profession. So like, I'm, I'm, I'm not nervous, but come on, it's Floyd Mayweather. Like, and, and I'm, and I'm standing there trying to, trying to pitch, something to him like in 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 literally five minutes because he uh, one thing I learned about Floyd met him a few times he gets bored very easily <laughs> you're not interested you just check you kind of change the subject and talk about something else so you have to kind of keep him interested kind of thing but yeah look, listen it was it was crazy how it done but like his friend Deshaun Wayne who, who, who I said he, he was a massive massive part of the, of of that and he kind of helped me I'm, I'm, I'm friends with him ever, ever since Matt it's it's like that is someone like Mayweather. He, he's heard it all before. Yeah. Whatever, whatever it is that you're going to say to him, he's heard it. He's heard it all before. So that is that is a moment, isn't it? That we, you talk about kind of like sliding doors moments in people's careers, and you had them in your boxing career. Um, it's that's almost as intimidating as it gets. I would probably say it'd be up there with having five minutes with with Don King or, 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 or Bob Arum or someone like that? Look, you, oh, without a doubt, of course, it is in, in our era. Floyd Mayweather, the best fighter of our generation, massive ego, you know, all the rest, busy man, you know. So yeah. to, to, to get that opportunity, but then to kind of, you know, make sure that you make an impact where he remembers you. Because you're already getting in the door, but now you're in there, you want to you wanna enhance that and actually make something of it. So, you know, you've got... <laughs> I was laughing when he was talking there because I was thinking to myself, he's got a neck on him, hasn't he, Sam? Do you know what I mean? He's got a neck on him, he, you know. But there's a lot to be said for that. If you don't knock the door, no one will answer it. 100%. And sometimes you've got to have that self-belief. And sometimes that self-belief can be borderline deluded. It can well, be I've a very it. fine line. Fine line. But there's a lot to be said for fucking perseverance. You know what I mean? And he's persevered. He's... He, he, Get messages, they kept messaging him. You know, we, t- we heard it about Frank Smith, who basically nosed Eddie over some raffle tickets and then emailed him and hounded him and nosed him into giving him a job. And now look at him, you know, pe- people knock a door. And, and most people, anyone who succeeded in life, in any, any business or sport, have failed dozens and dozens and dozens of times. The difference 100%. is you get back up and you go again. That's the fucking difference. They're the ones that achieve. It's not the ones that have never failed. It's the yeah. ones who don't accept failure. It's the ones who pick themselves up and go again and go again and go again. And, you know, <laughs> Sam talking now, kept DMing the guy. You know, eventually the guy must have thought, who the fuck's this? Kicks yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And you must, and then you got, you got the five minutes with Floyd and you said something that pricked his attention. You know, I always say, listen, everyone's always knocking other people, aren't they, in their same industry because they're thinking, well, I've got this, or I'm better at this. What's that fucker got? But I always, and I always say, and I say this when I'm talking about other people, never knock another man's hustle. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? He's, he's there, but some whichever way he's got there, he's fucking there. Yeah, that's yeah, it. completely, completely. The hustle is is that's what it's that's what it's all about. You've got to you've got to put yourself in the frame for things. You can't just sit around <laughs> thinking that that anything's gonna gonna land in your 
land in your lap. I mean, you mentioned your 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 former profession, your previous profession. You said you were used to yeah. used to getting up and and, and mm. speaking. What was that? I used to do a bit of car auctioneering. I used to do a bit of car auctioneering, but I've always been kind of facing. But it's obviously not the same as that. But it's like in what Matt just said there. If you don't have a pair of balls on you, you're not going to get anywhere. You have to be prepared to get knocked back. Like I've been knocked back for years. Like I was not underachieving because I was doing okay, but I always thought to myself, I can do better. And I love boxing. I've always loved boxing. My, my granddad's brother was a professional boxer, over 125 fights as a professional. Like, like with, I, I, I love boxing. And I was like, I kind of obsessed with it as well. Like with Prince Nassim Hamid. And I always wanted to be, I was never talented enough to be one, but it's like, I've always wanted to be involved in it because I love it. So that's, um, that's, that's just kind of like what, what drove me to like have it. But as you say, as Matt said, it's borderline delusion, isn't it? Because imagine like, I said to my dad, oh, dad, I'm going to go and get, uh, go and have a chat with Floyd Mayweather. I'm going to do this. And like, he looked at me like I needed sectioning. I think he rang, my mum and dad were, were, were divorced for, for 25 years. He rang my mum, he never rings my mum. He rang my mum and says, your son has lost his mind. We need to, he thought I needed putting in a, in a, in a padded room like this straight jacket on and all sorts when I told him what I was doing I'm telling you man it can be a it, it, believing in yourself and the, being deluded that can be a very very thin line 100% yeah it, it can be it can be I, I remember when I started out do, doing all of this and and just saying to a few mates that what my plan was that that I was you know wanted to be a sports journalist working sports broadcasting and 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 people just kind of just it, it just dismissed it immediately. Kind of, kind of like that. Well, that's not going to happen. It's out of the norm. Yeah. And they're just like, I just, you know, I kind of I sort of took offense at it. I just thought, how fucking dare you just, just <laughs> immediately just bat me away and just go, yeah, okay. Yeah. Whatever. But you know, it's what, you know, that that's, you just can't be discouraged. Can you? And you obviously weren't. So Savannah made her debut. If, if I remember rightly on the Mayweather yeah. McGregor card. Yeah. I was in a corner. Can you imagine that? I mean, that is absolutely crazy isn't it really i mean that's that's what people think about that fight and it was an enormous event that kind of transcended yeah. sport it um, was but you know what happened at that I, I worked on that event and i had my green suits on you know because mcgregor and that <laughs> but they 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 you know what they did with the, so with the pacquiao may with the fight because al Heyman, one of his businesses is ticket scalping like ticket touting in a massive way in america for all the events and what they did on the pacquiao may with the fight they they it sold out straight away. And then on the secondary market, you know, they, they created the hype, they held them back, brought the hype up, and they were going for like 25, 30 grand, some of those ringside tickets, maybe more, but they were going for extortion amounts. And But that was Pacquiao Mayweather, the biggest fight of our, two best fighters of our generation fighting, even though it was past its sell-by date, it was still a massive fight. So, but when McGregor Mayweather happened, they got greedy, they got greedy with the tickets and they did this. They, tr- they thought they were going to do the same thing. But the reality was, bar, you know, bar MMA fans from Ireland, everyone knew what it was. No one gave, you know, everyone knew what it was. It was fucking an exhibition fight. You know, McGregor, fair play, did well. But we knew what it was going to be. But, you know, MMA fans and they did, I've I, I seen loads of them in New York, genuinely believed mate McGregor was going to do him. Because he had the hype around him at the time, didn't he? Remember, he said he was going to do Aldo in like with his hut shut in like ten seconds, and he did. It was like, make you believe it. Guy. You know, he had the hype on him. So, but the reality was, 
it was what it was. Do you know what I mean? And actually, Mayweather did really well. Uh, McGregor did brilliant, really. He really did do well. But we knew it was it was a non-event, really. And 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 so what happened was there was thousands of tickets that never even got sold in the end because they were so overpriced. People just thought, "Fuck off," yeah, you know. Yeah. That's what it was. <laughs> That's exactly what it was. What was it like for you then, Sam? The whole the whole experience because that 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 is. You know, I, I've never heard. I, I didn't know that. I, I didn't know that story about Savannah Marshall. I, I didn't know that. And she's she's training with Peter Fury, Andy, because I got her with Peter Fury. You know, that's what I did. I How did Savannah, you know Peter? Was that through the cars? Just just through no, just just I, I a, a friend of mine from from Derby used to be that helping with the corners and stuff. Um, and and he took me up there once, and I, ever since then I just became I became like really good really good friends with him and like ever since that's how I met Tyson I've, I've known Tyson the longest like like out of I've known him longer than way longer than I've known Joe like it's that's that's really that's really where it came from so I suggested he's a great trainer as well and like I'm not by the way I'm not taking a, like the credit of all Savannah the, her progress because of Peter but I, I, I put them two together hey hey kids hey, hey kids Hey everybody, sitting here with a famous Slovenian philosopher. How are you doing, sir? I am uh, in health, thank you. Are you uh, excited about something? I am excited about this latest uh, CIA-funded venture. A CIA venture? Yes, it's called The Desire and Capital Podcast. Oh, what is it about? I refuse your fascist question. Well, there you have it. Listen to the Desiring Capital Podcast, coming soon to a bourgeois platform near you. On your marks, get set, go! This is so crazy! So how did it... Uh, I mean, it's the old... How did you meet Savannah then? <laughs> but through a message, I knew, Savannah, I, knew Savannah, I knew Savannah as well. I'd spoken to Savannah as well. She's like a, a, friend, a friend of mine. But I was... I got... I, I, I just did everything. I did all the logistics. But, man, I didn't, I, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. I didn't have I didn't have a clue what I was doing, especially when I got there to Vegas. Like it's all I've been twenty times since. Obviously, it's like but that first experience. I was in Floyd's gym watching him train. I'm like, yes, oh my god, Floyd's training for. I didn't have a clue what I was doing. I had no clue what I was doing, but I kind of went along with it, and that kind of wised me up again since since then. And obviously, Savannah came 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 back and boxed in England, and because Peter Fury couldn't travel with Savannah, so she used her old amateur coach. I forget his name. Excuse me. Sorry, sorry. I forget his name. Um, but I, I was I was his assistant in the corner. I've never I've never I've never been an assistant in the corner. That was probably my. I've, I've been an assistant three times. One with Abel Sanchez, and I forgot Joe Spit Bucket. I was walking to the ring. I forgot the Spit Bucket. And one in uh, Ontario for Guido Vianello's second fight, my heavyweight from Italy, and I forgot his, his second mouth guard. So I sacked myself from being a corner. Fucking <laughs> yeah, useless. It's a brilliant, it's just a brilliant kind of in at the deep end yeah. story. The kind of the like of which I've not really heard many things to rival it, to be honest. Because Mayweather McGregor, uh, Floyd Mayweather, you know, it doesn't get any bigger than bigger than that. So, how did things progress from there? Because I think it was when you were with Cody Davis that I first became kind yeah. of aware of you uh, as being now part of the of the boxing scene, and then it progressed from there to. Like you say, Joe Joyce. I mean, how did it how did it roll along? Because you've made a great start there, but it's not. I signed no... Joe first. I signed Joe first. He was my first signing. So how did that come about? 
So I, I met Joe at an airport, funnily enough. Yeah, <laughs> I met him at an airport. We get talking. So ever since we, we, we spoke and I was friends with him from when he went to the Olympics. So when he came out, he was like asking me, asking me questions because like I kind of think I know what I'm talking about. I'd like to think I know what I'm talking about. I said, listen, let's let's kind of it takes a while to like, like Joe never signed a contract with me for like the first year because it's it's uh it was never really like that. It's like he's like my one of my best friends. It really was like like that. And I said, listen, let's get you let's let's get you promoted. And he kind it kind of organically happened. I never said, Joe, let me be your manager. It was never really like that. And um, so getting on to how he how he um so I signed, so Joe was my first like signing. He was my first guy I managed. And every, look, everyone was interested. Um, you, your Warrens, your Hearns, everyone was interested. But at the time, Richard Schaefer and David Hay offered him. The biggest deal for Joe and Joe was at an age was at an age he turned pro at thirty one I think I think he, 30, he he fought Ian Lewis and literally four years ago the other day and he was actually um, it was a couple of days after his thirty second birthday so we have to get a move on with Joe we have, in a sensible way so we signed him with David Hay and I was negotiating this is me like just a random fat person from Derby I'm negotiating against Adam Morley one of the best lawyers in 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 well, I think in the world, like he's Gordon Ramsay's lawyer, he's David Hayes' lawyer. Like, so I'm negotiating against Adam for the contract for, for Joe Joyce's contract. So, like, I was, was sorting the ins and outs, and we became amazing friends from that. So, when Joe signed with David and Richard, me and Adam then formed our management company, and that's why we it, it worked so well because we kind of had his very good brains to my, I don't know what, what I bring to the table, but I must bring, a little bit of, I'm, I must bring, I must, <laughs> I, must, I, must, I must bring a sprinkle of something. And I, I, so, so we, 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 we developed our company and it went from, it just went from, from strength to strength. It really did. Um, and that's, and that's where it was. But Joe Joyce was our, was S jam boxing's first signing. Well, you drove, you probably drove it on. You had the personality and the drive, I guess. And he had did the all the matchmaking. Skills. I did all the matchmaking as well. Everyone, every one of Joe's fights from now, I've done all of his matchmaking. Matt, it's interesting because we, you know, we, we've, we've spoken regularly on this podcast about the kind of, uh, with promoters and managers about the kind of ingredients you need to, to succeed in what is a, it's a shark tank, you know, it's a, snake, it's a snake pit, you know, whatever, the comparison you want to draw that's sufficiently treacherous. Snake it, pits, right? It... Snake, snake pits are bang accurate uh, <laughs> assessment of what boxes. I'm sure Matt, Matt, Matt's been in it a hell of a lot longer than me. He, he'll tell you more than anyone. It, 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 yeah, exactly. Those, those, those kind of comparisons all, all apply. And there are definitely things that you can't really teach that you need to have if you're going to succeed. Either they're there or they're not. And, and listening to Sam talk there, he's quite kind of self-deprecating about it, but. You have to have the ability to kind of read a room. You have to have the ability to kind of read a person, work out quickly who you think you can trust and who you can't, work out quickly who you think is worth listening to and who isn't, absorb information and just learn on the hoof because in boxing more than any other sport probably, everyone's winging it really. It's a question, of who, it's a question of who wings it best. Well, I was just going to say everyone's learning on the fucking job. Everyone, you know, when you come in, you're coming in and, you know, what, no matter what, how many boxing news you've read or whatever fucking podcast you listen to, everyone is learning on the job. They're meeting new people, they're networking, they might meet someone and they think, right, is this a guy I can uh, trust? Is this a guy who I can learn from? Or is he just a fucking blagger or what? You know, you, you, you're constantly doing that. And listen, from my point of view, I came in boxing, so it was a little bit different. But, you know, there's lots of people like Sam and, 
um, you know, Al Siesta, what a story he's had. We've had him on the podcast before. And, and when me and Andy started the podcast, one of the conversations, things we said early doors, I said, like, you know, Andy, you've come in, you're commentating on boxing, and now you're immersed in it. You love it. Like, where were you before? Like, everyone's got an entry point and a story. Obviously, I came through the amateurs and I'm a boxer. That's a little bit different. But there's a lot of characters in boxing that have got, a, you know, their way into boxing, how it came about and where they are now and how they've grown and evolved. They're fascinating stories. So they sent just like our podcast, then just about boxers, and he fought him on such and such a date. And we, we all know that. It's the life stories which really are even, I think, more fascinating. Yeah, completely, completely. So, so how did I'm always curious about this? How welcoming or unwelcoming, probably the latter rather than the former, were other people in the industry when you when you came into it? And, and how hard was it? just to make a living out of it early on, because, you know, that's, that's not an easy thing to do. I was a little bit at the beginning, I was naive to it. I was thinking, no one's going to have a problem with problem because like, even now I kind of, I don't like to say, Oh, I'm well known in boxing. Cause I don't, I genuinely hand on heart. I don't think like that. But when I was beginning, I was thinking no one's going to care about, I'm just got Joe. But I just, I remember I've, there's, there's so many instances where, People are out to get you in, in boxing. And you've got to have a, a fixed, you, you've got to have a, a, a pair of balls on you, haven't you, to survive in boxing. Like for me, everyone said to me, I would last two minutes in boxing. Everybody said this to me, that you last two minutes in boxing. A load of people said it to me. And it wasn't them that was driving me on, but like I knew like where I come from and like what, I'm not, I'm not scared of things. I like, and I'm, I'd like to think I'm very street smart and, that, that's it was my persistence like it's all it's all right getting there you can hustle your way into something but but staying there is harder than getting there does that make sense and and, and that's and that's what um I've kind of overcome like I'm still doing now I still think I have to wake up and I still have to be on top of my game because people are out to get you but I've I've got I would like to think I've got a, whatever anyone else thinks of me my the fighters that I've managed they they all they all speak highly of me and they all like me like I'm, I'm friends with all of them like even now like I, I speak to like I'm, I'm with Pro Bellum now but I speak to Joe almost every day. Were the moments though where you thought you know quite often <coughs> you, you hear stories from people where they say everything kind of looked okay on the outside but actually you know I was bang up against my overdraft limit and if this one thing happened hadn't happened for me then I was done you know. With, with, Adam with Morley. Mo- I, I, Adam Morley like he he if, if he, if, I'll be honest with you, if it wasn't for him, I probably wouldn't be in boxing right now. And if I would be, it wouldn't be at the level I'm working at now. So I, I would say him. Hey everybody, this is Moto G Pete from the Noko Moto Motorcycle Podcast. Join us every week while we rate, review, ride, philosophize, and generally obsess over every single motorcycle make, model, and style that could possibly exist, plus news and racing. That's the Noko Moto Motorcycle Podcast from Moto One Podcast Network Studios. Well, everybody needs everybody needs that 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 backing, don't they? That person who kind of identifies with them and and and, and believes in them. How how kind of how hard did you think about how you would approach it in terms of how you wanted to come across yourself? Because you've got to you've got to make some noise. Everybody has to make noise. It's just that that's a fact. And, and with with someone like Joe and, and Cody and Savannah, actually, all three of them, they don't really say a lot 
it's not because they, in my experience of them, it's not because they lack confidence. It's almost the opposite. It's that they're so kind of comfortable with who they are, particularly yeah. particularly Joe, that he just doesn't really feel the need to to shout his head off. He'll just think, well, you know, my actions will speak louder than words. But you know, that's that that that's fine. But pushing them as a commercial entity and getting them fight that doesn't work. You've got to step up then. Yeah, um, and and that's what it comes from. I think people that know me, they'll probably think, if you, if you just watch me, like, I don't know, on a, pr- a press conference with Joe, you might think, oh, what a dick. But I'd like to think if you meet me, you'd, you'd see a different a different kind of person. Because it, for me, it's just, it's just making people talk about Joe Joyce and and the and the fight that was that was all it was like Joe's not a big talker he never is, but Joe if you've you've spent time with him aren't you Andy I think you've met him a few times haven't you Matt he's he is a very very intelligent person Joe is he really is but if you ask him about anything to do with boxing he hasn't got a clue even now I could you could tell him about I had to tell him he was like Sam is it Wednesday he literally rang me before the fight he goes Sam when's the Tyson fight I was like it's on tonight Joe he goes he's not on next week like he's not he's got he's so oblivious to what's going on in boxing so that's the I don't know it's, it, that's where it comes from but yeah I, I had to make a lot of noise Andy I had to make a lot of noise and I did when well, I did I've made mistakes of course I have I probably said the wrong things but I made a lot of noise and hopefully I've the, the my uh the, I've, I've gained experience on the way if that makes sense well, I'm going to tell a quick little story here and it'll make Andy laugh, definitely. I hope it makes you laugh, uh, Sam. <laughs> and it supports what you're saying. So a while ago, Andy said to me, what do you think about getting Sam Jones on the podcast? And I oh, just what said, a dick. And I just said, I don't think I could possibly sit through an hour. I would be literally, I'd rather pull my teeth out. I'd be in pain. <laughs> but, then, <laughs> but, but then we fast forward, we actually have to train journey back and we had a good laugh <laughs> you know, very then, good. Yeah, you, know, yeah. you were telling me your story and stuff and I was I was fascinated I was very interested I thought you know what that kid you gotta be you, you gotta give people their credit he's he's where he is he's got there where he screamed shouted knocked doors he's got up from one knock back he's persevered I can definitely respect that so we exchanged a few stories and uh let's get him on <laughs> yeah, no, I've been working on Macklin for a while, Sam. I've been working on Macklin for a while. And I was thinking he'll come around. He'll come around. He'll definitely come around. Listen, I, mean, do you- I, I don't blame I don't blame some people because some people like again, like it's different for Matt. Matt can have an opinion because Matt was a boxer, but like especially people that have been in the game, like talking about managers and promoters, they probably just think, who is this 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 divvy that's like working at this level? Like he doesn't deserve to, to be there. But what I would ask you to people to judge me on is what the fighters think of me. What Ask the fighters what, what job I do for them. Because I know, yeah, if you're getting, and Matt, it's like yourself, right? If somebody's taking 10% off one of yours or 20%, 30%, whatever these managers, whatever managers take what off their fighters, if someone's taking money off you, they have to earn every single last penal of what they're taking off you because you're getting in there and getting punched in the head for it. So I, I, I used to sleep comfortable knowing that I've done everything possible i'm not just talking about ringing up ringing up a fight because i think you shouldn't be able to just ring a fighter and say this is your date see you then and and give me my give me my money i don't think like that it's a day-to-day relationship i honestly believe that's why i was lucky enough when s jam was getting bigger fighters messaging me all the time i'm talking hundreds of them messaging me and adam can we sign and we wouldn't do it because we wouldn't want to we don't want to give we don't want to make the stable so big that the authentic the authenticity the right word but I think that's what I'm trying to get at. like everybody wants the Joe Joyce treatment 
Like, well, there's only so many hours in a day, isn't there? So you don't want to be careful. You've got to be careful that you don't dilute yourself, stretch yourself so much that you dilute what you actually can give. It, it, exactly. And like, I know, like, when I go to sleep at night, I earn every single penny I get. Every single penny I get. And the fighters, I don't want to speak on their behalf, because I'm sure I've irritated one of them, but no, no one's ever left like that. They, they, they love me and Adam. Because, because I, I'm... I just give them, I give them everything. I do whatever, I make everything. I make all their lives should be about, especially when you're boxing, you're getting punched in the head for a living. Should just be solely about boxing. You shouldn't ever have to worry about anything else. No politics. You shouldn't have to worry about anyone nicking from you. Like what, there's horror stories in boxing about happens. You should just worry, trust the people you're with and get on with your career. And that's all they should worry about because it's a short career boxing. Well, like you said, you can anyone can hustle that. Well, not anyone, but but you can hustle your way into something, and staying there is different. And that that is that is what you just said there. That is what I thought myself. You know, you look at new people arriving, and you just think, well, he's got this fighter. Now he's got this fighter and another fighter, and they seem happy. There has to be something to this because boxers are pretty savvy. You know, and, and like you say, it's one career. They can be and have to be at times ruthless, and and people. People haven't left. They've stuck around. Uh, you mentioned mm. the big word there in boxing, politics. So how did you manage or have you managed to navigate that world? Because there are so many different sets of politics. You know, you've got the border control, you've got international mm. sanctioning bodies, you've got other managers, you've got promoters, you've got TV, just so many things. And there's, um, no, man, there's, no, there's, no, there's no hand handbook there. No, it's basically, Matt, Matt, Matt will know this better than anybody. If you've got a good fighter, yeah, the promoters will want to work with you. Whether they want to like you or not, if your product's good, they, they, want, they want to work with you. Do you understand? Do you understand? So that's the way, like, I've signed good fighters. Like, I, I believe, like, my stay when I was with S-Jam, even like, the way I've, I've left, there's some great fighters in there. Lerone Richards undefeated, like Florian Mark, who's a character in itself. Joe Joyce, number one in the WBO. And you develop a relationship from then. Because I'm sure Frank Warren, when he first met me, thought, what a dick. Like, like what a dick. Eddie, Eddie may be the same. But I've, I've been you around... you respect? I, I probably. I, I would like to think so, Matt. Yeah, like from, like from you, you thought I was a dick before. And you see me on the train, I'm not that bad. <laughs> it's You're not growing yeah, I'm growing on you, growing on you, <laughs> like a rash on your groin. Um, um, but no, that's 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 how it goes, isn't it? Like if, in boxing, this this is just the fact: only the strongest survive. Yo, I'm DK, co-host of the One Star Recruits podcast. My best friend Rip and I host five-star athletes, celebs, business leaders, comedians, and coaches from around the world. Each week, I can guarantee you the show will always have great laughs, catch up on life's in relatable ways, and have a ton of fun. We're recruiting you. We are the one stars, which means we can ask the questions that no other podcast asks to guests like Joey Chestnut, Evander Holyfield, Bobby Hurley, Jenny Finch, Ryan Lochte, Montel Jordan. New guests every week, compelling interviews that you want to hear. Check us out wherever you get podcasts. One Star Recruits. It's a funny well, one because you know it, it, it's all right saying you, you get these fighters and that, but you, 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 what happens when you you sign a fighter? Like they're going to sit down with you. So when they sat down with you, you know that you might not have sold it to them. They might not have been convinced. So 
you're obviously when you get in the meeting and you're you're not just getting the meeting with the fighters, you are signing them. You know, there's lots of people that meet fighters that don't sign them because, you know, the fighter isn't convinced by them. You're young. It's not like you're, listen, you're sitting down with a Frank Warren or a Bob Arum. Or even Eddie at this stage, you know, their track record speaks for itself. It's sold before they get through the door. But when you're a fresh young kid, probably younger than half some of these fighters, and you're trying to sell it to them, you know, you've got the, the, the... Anyone who wants to knock that, you, you have definitely got a skill set, whether it's charisma, whether it's perseverance, whatever it is, you have you have left that meeting and you've got the job done. What you went in to do and achieve, you, you did it. I, I will always ask as well, Matt, do you know, every time I've ever met a fighter, every time I've ever met a fighter, I've always said, bring someone that loves you with, with, with you. Whether that's your mum, your dad, your brother, your best mate, bring someone with you. Never, I, I'd never want to meet a fighter, Joe, just on their own. Because I want, I want, I want them to trust me. Because with me, I spent, after I signed Joe, I didn't really, not I didn't care, but I was just like, if somebody wanted to sign with me, I'd never. Oh, uh, did, did you see my my email? Did you? I've never done that. I've never sent an email to a fight. Say, oh, please sign. Me. Come and meet me and trust what I'm saying. If you trust what I'm saying, let's work together. If not, good luck. I support your career because I'm a fan of you. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't go to a meeting if I wasn't a fan of that fighter. I have to believe in them as well. Because if I think they're not going to make it, I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't ever say it. I wouldn't say it to them, but I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't meet them. Like I have to believe in what, what, I'm, what I'm working with because I know how much I give to it. I wake up every day. I work 24 hours a day. I have no days off ever. There's never a day where somebody can't get, get hold of me. So I have to believe in what I'm, what I'm working with. Otherwise, I just won't do it. And Adam, me and Adam, have the same morals like that, which is the reason why we got, we got on so well. We get on so well. I've said it before, you know, we're in boxing, you're sitting in the gym, whether it's a trainer, a manager, whatever. How hard boxing is, how lonely, how 24-7 it is. If we're not, if we're not chasing dreams here, what the fuck are we doing? <laughs> no point. There's and just no tra- point. And when you're, when you're chasing dreams, there ain't enough hours in the day. Yeah, very That's true. Simple. It's, but it's like in boxing, I think it's too hard a sport to not aim, not have the, the ambition to, 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 I would say to any fighter, like, like, cause I'm not, I'm not a fight. I'm not a fighter, but I know if I was going to be a boxer, I could either, I would either believe in here and here that I can be the best. Or I just wouldn't bother. It's too hard a sport. It's too hard a sport. And I don't want to take your money off. Like I have to believe in, in, I have to believe in, they have to kind of believe in me kind of thing. Cause as you see with me, I'm, I'm, I'm very vocal about my, my fighters. I'll back them to the, to, to, to the, to the hills. I mean, I've spent, I've, I've, I told you, didn't I? I went to Big Bear for six months with Joe living in the most boring conditions ever. But like, he's used to me being around. I used to cook for him. Like I'm not, the, I'm not the worst cooking. I used to cook his dinners for him. I used to prepare meals for him. I did everything for him. When Guido Vinolo, when I signed him, he came out to Big Bear. Same thing. We lived in, in this big, it was a big, big house to be fair, but it was like freezing cold in the winter. There was nothing to do. You've been to Big Bear, you, Matt. There is zero things to do. There's a couple of Mexican restaurants, a bit of a lake and, uh, and an expensive supermarket. Other than that, there is nothing else to do in Big Bear. So I spent, I spent, my, my first training camp with Joe was in Las Vegas. And we, I, all my savings I've ever accumulated all my life, I spent it like in literally a few months of, of being around Joe. Because I, I didn't, Joe didn't have loads of, uh, loads of money at the beginning. That's the, it's a building process. So I, I, spent, I, spent my, I spent all my own money, all my savings I spent in my first year of meeting Joe. Of that I've accumulated my whole life. Spent it all on like that. Because I knew there was, there was an end. There was a, there was a, 
people expect when they come into boxing they're going to get money straight away. It's not the case. You have to you have to put the hours and the and the, and the time in, and you you have to sacrifice. You, you you have to pay your own money. It's that's the way it is. Money doesn't come straight away in boxing. It's like a it's a build it's a building process. Yeah, you have to invest in yourself and what 100%. you did there, what you did in going over to Big Bet. Listen, anyone can tell you they believe in you. Fucking show me. Yeah, yeah. Show me you believe in me. And you show someone by fucking spending time, by invest, by going to Big Bear for six months, by going to Las Vegas, by spending your own money. You didn't tell Joe you believed in him. You showed him, you proved that you believed in him. Yeah. That's what you do. And that's, you know, when you're a fighter and you're lonely and it's tough and it's hard, having someone with you that you know, you, you believe in yourself and you have to believe in yourself. But when you've got someone else that believes in you, it's, it, it, it encourages you to believe in yourself. Yeah. That's that, that's that, no, 100% right. I mean, I remember me and Joe going to Las, Las Vegas for the very first, I was, it was, no, it was the second time. The, the, the second time was when I was with uh, the Savannah thing. I wasn't, it wasn't, I wasn't there long. It was about four days. But when I went with Joe properly for the first time for a training camp, we was there for eight weeks, Joe's first training camp. And we went to the MGM Grand and we, I don't know what, it was a steakhouse, man. I'm serious. The bill came for about 450 quid. Me and Joe were looking at each other thinking about, we might have to do a Sonic Red Boots here. And, and we was looking at this, this meal between us and thinking, <sighs> like, what, what, what? Luckily, we we we, we did the right body shots. Someone give yeah. me a body shot. <laughs> a, a, a proper a proper one. So can you imagine the first camp we went out there? Me and Joe didn't have a clue. Me, sometimes when we're together, it's like the blind leading the fucking blind. Do you know what I mean? Like like with even from renting a car onwards, Joe is the worst driver you ever can imagine. Like he's the most reckless, terrible driver ever. So get even get even that. From that aspect of it, like Joe driving around the car, like sitting there, but everything was unorganized. But obviously, since then, you, you gain experience, don't you? And everything gets better. Like Joe's nearly killed me a few times, by the way. I don't know where I've told you, but he's nearly killed me at least three occasions. I'm deadly serious. He's wrote two cars off whilst he's been with me in LA in the traffic. Like he was, I don't know, he was, he was trying to get some cheats for some stupid game he was playing on. And I was like, Joe, you're going to crash the car in a second. You, you get, you're going to crash. He's like, no, no, I'm all right. Like literally high speed, literally on this thing. And then literally look up and that where the cars are like on its side. And where there's like a, a, a sheriff coming to like, coming, getting us out, getting us out of the car, took us to a hotel. And Joe, Joe, Joe sounded like Jay from the, how big he is. Imagine him saying this to me. It was like Jay off the in-between. Oh, sorry. Sorry, Sam. Sorry. Like, like I've warned you like so many times. And cars on its side. Oh God. I could tell you so many, so many stories about driving up to Big Bear. I said, Joe, will you come and get me from the airport? And he's like, no, nah, no, nah. so I was fair enough. It's a four hour drive. So I thought, I'm not the most confident, but in, in America, like driving in LA, oh my God, it's my worst nightmare. So I'll get this car. I drive there and the car breaks down on the, like one of the, um, the tyres the bust. And it was literally the middle of the night, Matt. And you know what it's like going up to Big Bear. It's literally just for four hours. Yeah. So the car's broke down and I'm in the middle of fucking nowhere in, in, in Big Bear. And I'm thinking, well, I can barely get signal, but I can just get enough signal to ring Joe. And, and I ring him. I says, Joe, like I'm, I'm broke down. He's like, well, how far away? I think about 30 minutes away. He goes, well, it's not that far. Like, I'm just going to finish my game. I'm stuck in the middle of Big Bear. I'm just going to finish my game. <laughs> you asshole. So he's like, <laughs> so he's like, finish it, finishing off his, um, finishing off his game. Luckily, this sheriff pulls up next to me 
And um, he, he, I leave the car there. I ring this the car company when I get back. I left the car, kind of abandoned the car. And the sheriff takes me up, and Joe just goes, "Well, at least I've made you dinner." Like that. Like he's, 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 honestly, I could tell you so many stories about him. It's, it's uh, had some funny, uh, funny, funny encounters. Well, well let's get into um, the the biggest fight that that you had with him. The biggest, yeah, fight that you've been involved in. Um, the the one with Daniel Dubois because that was a fight that everybody loved as soon as it was made. Obviously, it took a long time to happen, but there were all sorts of things at, at play there, because obviously that's big for him, but it was big for you as well. And, and, yeah, you yeah, had, and you had a big role to play in that. And it wasn't you just thrusting yourself into the into the limelight and to the forefront, but given the character of your fighter, and it was the same on the other side of the table, because I really enjoyed those kind of sit-downs and face-offs where there was Daniel and Joe, but neither one of them says too much. So to make it better TV they've got to get other people involved. So there's you and there's Frank Warren. And basically yeah. there, you've got the two fighters kind of going up against each other, but you're yeah. going up against Frank Warren. And that, yeah. that that's almost like you're, you know, he talks about the five minutes in a room with, with, with Floyd Mayweather. You know, all of a sudden you're, you know, that that's the real big head lead. To head. Head, to, yeah, head, head to head. To head. head to head with a Hall of Famer. I mean, just, just that, that whole fight, when, how did it happen to start with? Basically, right. When we went to, um, I'm trying to think when it was, it was, we knew, yeah, that, but by the way, before he gets, Frank rates Joe highly. He just rated Daniel higher. Yeah, that's what he thought. He thought, Joe's, a, Joe's getting on a bit. He's still, he's a tremendous fighter, but Daniel will chin him. Do you know, do you know what I mean? And Frank won't mind me saying that because I would still say it if he was sat in the same room with me. He thought Daniel was going to chin Joe. Um, and obviously Joe's got a big... So from when we signed with Frank, we knew what the, the crap was going to be. But I, I, I'm telling you this now, Andy, and this is me, I swear to God, I was so confident Joe would beat Daniel Dubois. Because bear in mind, I, I'm not just somebody that, that rings Joe and I used to say, Joe, how are you getting on? I used to see him spar. I, I used to see him spar. And I know kind of what would trouble Joe and what wouldn't trouble Joe. And I looked at Daniel Dubois and I looked at the opponents he was facing. Yeah, bar Nathan Gorman aside, who wasn't at the race, <laughs> but he wasn't the, the caliber of opponents that he was facing. He was having it all his own way. And I didn't ever believe this is my limited experience in boxing. And Matt might tell you something different, but I didn't believe you should ever go from, say, a here to a here. Do you understand what I mean? You have to have like a, that, a middle, a middle, a middle fight. I kept saying that everyone laughs now at the words, but I used to say, you need a middle fight. And I used to, and I told Joe, because we used to go to some of Daniel's fights. I said, Joe, listen to me right now. And Joe used to go, oh, I'll beat him. He can bang. Because Joe was, Joe was open and honest. When Joe sparred Daniel Dubois in, in the GB setup, Joe said, the only time I've ever been rocked in my life, in sparring, in my life, was by Daniel Dubois. But that's because he was kind, Joe was kind of, Joe doesn't go hard on spine unless someone tries to take the piss out of him. That's my experience. I've seen Joe spar thousands of rounds. The only time I've ever seen Joe do damage to somebody is when they've tried to switch it up on him. Joe likes to work on his things, work, work on, on stuff in spine. Doesn't try to purposely hurt you. Anyway, where are we getting at with the Dubois fight? Sorry, I'm going around the, going around the, uh, around the roundabout a bit. But yeah, so I knew, we knew that Frank was trying to make this fight and it was it was it was the kind of the, the idea that that's the fight was going to happen. And I thought, do you know what, Joe Joe needs a couple more. Joe's going to have a couple more a couple more fights and raise his profile. And the fight's only going to get bigger. So, but after the um, Joe got they actually got called. The fight got called. I'm trying to remember, it's been so long. But like the fight actually got called for the British title. But I thought Joe's been 
fighting in America. He's just he's beat Bermain Stiverne. Daniel Dubois doesn't deserve to fight Joe just yet. Um, so then, then the fight happened with Gorman. Joe, because uh, their original plan was to make Joe against uh, Dubois for the uh, in at that in that in at that time. So Dubois fought Gorman and Joe fought Brian Jennings, which was literally the only time like I've 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 match made Joe and I kind of thought, did I really do a good job there? Because Jennings' style is like it's it's going to cause Joe problems. He's kind, he's got plenty of grease, he's fast hands, he's got really long arms. It was a poor style for Joe, but he got the job done. And after that, they were just trying to make the. Uh, they were trying to make the Dubois fight. And we were like, yeah, let's do it. So and then it got on to, um, I'm trying to remember who Joe fought. Joe never, Joe didn't fight for, for, for a long time after that. So I thought Joe needs a, uh, trying to think, when was it? I'm trying to remember everything, what happened. That was it. So we went skiing. Me, Adam and Joe went to a skiing resort uh, in, in December. And then we got a phone call while we were there saying, look, let's, let's make this, let's make the fight. Joe would Joe would fought in um, I can't remember when Joe Joe last fought, but it was a, it was a lot kind of a long time. But we thought, Do you know what? No one fight. It's this Daniel Dubois. Let let let's do it. Joe, we we were so confident. Joe, but we made the fight, and we did all the, the the filming with Frank on the Good Morning Britain and stuff. And then COVID happened. Joe Joe, I will, what I will tell you was when Joe did his camp for that fight, he was so. It's the best I've ever seen. I know everyone always says this, but he was the best I've ever seen him. Like, I thought, Joe's going to beat Daniel Dubois in six rounds here. He's going to beat him in six rounds here. Because the way he was sparring, unbelievable. And then COVID happened. And then, and then it kind of went dead for it. Went, went dead for it. The whole world kind of went to shit, didn't it? And then the, the, uh, Frank uh, got Joe a fight against Michael Wallish. And Daniel Dubois was meant to fight um, somebody. I can't remember his name. He, he fought some cruiserweight. And even then, I said, Joe, even that, is not good preparation for you. But I remember watching Daniel Dubois knock Fujimoto out in front of me, and I thought, if I sat on Joe's shoulders, I'd have, I'd have given a better account of myself than Fujimoto did. But for, for Dubois, I thought, Joe, listen to me. This is the ultimate disrespect. They're going from here to here and thinking they can, they can, they can have you. But I was more confident in Joe beating Dubois than I was when Joe fought Joe Hanks in America. I was more nervous about that when Joe fought at the Staples Center on the Tyson Fury Wilder undercard, the first one, than I was <laughs> for the Dubois fight. Matt, it, it, it was just a really interesting fight when it was made, and and as, as Sam was was outlining there, it, it took a long time to happen for for, for reasons right. that everybody's only too aware of. But what really fascinated me about it was that most people going into that fight, Dubois, did seem to favour Dubois, although the track record was all with Joyce. I mean, how? I mean, I can't remember if we really spoke about it at the time. I was covering it for Talksport. Um, what did you make of it when it was when it was made? Because it was it was one of those ones where you just thought, if we're just going to go on who's done what here, then you have to pick Joe Joyce. But most people weren't picking Joe Joyce. I think what it was, obviously Joe Joyce was, even though prof- professionally turned pro uh, late, he had so much experience as an amateur WSB. You know, they're, they're five three minute rounds against world class opponents. When you, if you've had ten of them. It's like you've had ten pro fights. Do you know what I mean? You, you should cause really in and a couple of sixes and straight into eights because you, you that's where that's the level you're at type of thing. Um, obviously, Dubois had looked devastating at us against a certain level of opponent. So it was like when you're weighing it up, you're thinking, well, you know, Dubois, he, you know, Joe, he has got a good chin, but he does get fucking hit. 
He does get hits. And even though he's got a good chin, Dubois can really bang. And, you know, 12 rounds, is he going to, he's either going to bang Joe out or he's going to get knackered from bouncing shots off Joe, who's going to take them and he's going to grind him down in the end. It was literally one of the two, wasn't it? And it was just which you, you were gambling on. I mean, because it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like it was going to be, Joe weren't going to out-slick Dubois. You know, it was it was, it was was an easy enough fight to predict. Either Dubois going to catch him too often and hit him too hard and hurt him. And he's just not, his defence is going to let him down. Or his, his chin is that good and he's going to break Joe, he's going to break Dubois' heart. It was what it was. It was one or the other. I said, I said, do you know, before Joe went out there, like I said it at the press conference, it's true. Joe p- plays his games before he leaves for, to go for the fight. And Joe was playing Destiny on his, uh, it's a game he plays. And I said, Joe, I used, to, we, I used the same thing every time. We used to go in his room, say, Joe, you ready? Get his bag for him. He goes, yeah, I'm just finishing my game off. I promise, before he was going to watch Fight the Bois. Can you imagine? Joe's just sitting with his headset on. He was literally play, talking to people like on the, like his internet, playing the game before he was leaving to fight the Bois. And, and he literally got off, t- told whoever it was, he goes, I'm back, back in a few hours. He paused his game. He paused the game he was playing. Um, went to the venue and um, before he went there, I, I, this is uh, Joe will tell you this. I said, Joe, Dubois looked sheepish all week. He really did. He looked like very, listen, why is he worried? Like, he can't be worried about me. He could break me in half, snap me like a, like a bloody, like a chopstick. But he was worried, like, like he wouldn't look at me in the face all week. I said, Joe, listen to me. I looked, I just grabbed him. I remember grabbing him in, just before we leave. I said, listen, he's going to quit he is tonight. I swear, I said it in front of about five different people. Joe's whole team was there. They were all tell Jimmy Tibbs was there. And I said, Jimmy, he's going to, he, he will quit in, in this fight. He will quit in this fight. And, um, well, and whatever happened, happened. Joe beat him, went back to the get to his room, unpaused his game, ordered a pizza and got on the re- with the rest of his night. So just, just fill us in on, on what it was, on what kind of thought processes you went through, though. How did you kind of strategize before you did do those sit-downs? Because we, we spoke to Joe Gallagher about this kind of thing at length and we got into the Quig Frampton fight and people... Well, I don't know what they think, but they might think that you kind of just turn up at a press conference, not you specifically, but anybody, mm. and you say this and you say that, and it's all good fun, and, and off we go for Anandos. But you've got to think about what you're doing, because with someone, you, you, you've got to think, do I want to try and rattle their cage? Will that unnerve them? Will that work? Do I, do I not want to do that? Because that might be counterproductive. That might get there. That might make them train harder or whatever it is. They might feed off it. How do I want to do this? So I want to... I can't be sheep. I can't be kind of like cowing in front of Frank Warren, but, but yeah. at the same time, I, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to disrespect him either, and all these kinds of things. So I mean, you must have had a good think about it before you, before you kind of locked horns with him. Apart from saying to Frank that he's going to get through a whole pack of emodium through the through the fight, I meant pretty much everything I said. Like I, I compared him to the guy who ordered the Titanic to speed up the propellers to, to get to New York quicker, Bruce Ismay. I remember calling him Frank that too. I was saying that to him off camera. I says, Bruce, I kept calling him Bruce for the rest of the day. We was having a laugh, by the way. I get on really well with Frank. Like I was getting, but I was like, Frank, you, you, your name's Bruce. Well, that's it. Until the fight, your name's Bruce. Because you've, you've, you've done it on, you've not given him a middle fight. You're trying to make him make the headlines too quick and he's going to crack into an iceberg and, and that's exactly what that's exactly what happened. But I was so confident in what I was saying. I wasn't just saying it because, oh, I've got a, I'm, a, I'm Daniel DeBoer and Daniel. I was so confident because I've seen Joe spar thousands of rounds and I just know 
that Daniel's style, Joe could beat Daniel Dubois if if if, if Joe was forty five years old because of Joe, Joe's Joe's style. I knew the whole plan was to stop Daniel late. It was to stop Daniel late, but to keep him off, keep him off of um, offline, and just keep popping his job. Everything went wrong, really, like towards the, towards the end. But because Joe had prepared so well, Salas came over. He got COVID. Luckily, we didn't like bump into him, but Salas got COVID, so we had to go back. But Joe knew the game plan. Joe, Joe even said after when when Salas when he goes, everyone, don't worry, I've got I've got this. He was telling all of us because he, I was trying to keep keep it nice and calm, for Joe, because obviously it's still unnerving when your trainer can't be there with you in the corner. But and there was like headlines in the paper saying, "Oh, Joe's Joe's team's in disarray." And like, and Joe was just Joe was so relaxed all week about that fight, and uh, the whole game plan was to just. Keep popping in with the jab. Keep popping in with the jab because we knew Dubois was just looking for a big right hand and a left up. And we knew because Joe got hurt to the body with Jennings to the body, we knew that Dubois was going to try and look look for the left up to the body. So that's what Joe was Joe was doing. And Joe only got got done done there because he was he was messing around, swinging his arm around. But he's just uh, he's he's I've never seen anybody like Joe in my life like. Going, gearing up. I don't know how you were like Matt when you were like putting your boots on and like it must be lonely. Like I've always asked Joe, said, Joe, what does it feel like? He goes, I don't know, it's a fight. Like he's, he was literally like Joe. When Joe sits down just before he's about to get caught, he sits down for a minute. It's literally like he's waiting for a kebab after a night out. He's, he's just sitting there. He's, there's no nerves to him at all. Zero nerves. Uh, I've just and I just think you've got to be a unique person to to do that at that that le- that level. Like like with you, Matt. I don't know how again how you was when you used to box, but what kind of things go through your head. But Joe, there was no nerves. There's never any nerves. Yeah, I mean, for me, there was definitely nerves. I was pretty... I handled them well, I think. But I was... Um, I definitely felt them. You know, the... Uh, yeah. I actually, I was glad when I was nervous because when I was nervous, it was when I boxed to my best. When I wasn't... I was more... I remember there was a couple of fights where there was pullouts. I was boxing guys that weren't, you know up to what the original opponent was. And I remember being nervous. I remember when Darren Barker pulled out of the, uh, got injured and pulled out of the uh, fight, which was the headline fight of the Magnificent Seven pay-per-view card in Birmingham. And it was 10 day, days out. And I ended up fighting a guy who was, you know, top 10 European ranked Georgian guy, I think 26 and two type of thing, but hadn't really beaten too many people. And, you know, it was, it was an easy-ish voluntary defense, I suppose, uh, on paper anyway. And I remember thinking to myself, I remember being nervous on the day and in the change, I was nervous that I wasn't nervous because I was thinking, I'm going to end up boxing shit here because I'm going to, I, I, was, I was a master at dropping to the level of my opponent or I'd, or I'd raise it when I had to. You know, I was that type of guy. So I was, I, I was almost trying to um, fake I was, I was trying to recreate the feeling of nerves almost you know what i mean to try and get myself up for it it was difficult yeah. um because you know it was, it was such an anti-climax for me i'd been in los angeles for six eight weeks whatever it was come back a couple of weeks before the barker fight main event in birmingham it was a big fight that was at the time you know big what I mean? fight remember it, yeah and um and then i you know yeah i ended up boxing an unknown georgian who's solid enough you know what I mean? He's a solid enough fighter. I can bang, big and strong. So you can't fall asleep. You can't just go in there and go through the motions. You've got to get up for this. And it was difficult because it was such an anti-climax. And, you know, so... Like, you know, I was 
but I think I handled them pretty well. You know, I, I wasn't sitting down there going to sleep like Joe or, you know what I mean? I don't think yeah, I was yeah. quite that laid back about it, but I was certainly, I used them to my advantage. Yeah, it's, it's, it's that's what I, I've always found it like crazy. It's like Florian, when he, get, when he fights, he's literally like he's going on a night out clubbing. He's just so excited. He's like a little kid. He's so excited to fight. But everyone, everyone, I can imagine everyone's different. But Joe, for that Dubois fight, he was more relaxed than I've ever seen. Like, if, if he could only be any more relaxed, it, it, it was that fight. Like, he was so relaxed. We just, we knew every single person there knew Joe was going to win that, that spent time with him. We knew he was going to win. Well, it's a massive win for him um, because obviously with the age he is, uh, you, when you turn pro that late, the problem is, is you can't, don't really have time for too many setbacks. No, no, it no. It would have been difficult for him to It would have been. It would have been catastrophic. It would have been, it wouldn't have been the end, of course, but it would have been like dreams of fighting for a world title. Like you, you, you're a mile away, aren't you? If, if that's a, if that's um, if that would have happened, but we were so confident, Andy. I, I swear to you, I've never been. I get nervous if Joe. When Joe fought Rudolf Josic at your call, and it, like it was like a journeyman, I was I was I was nervous, sick. I used to, I get really really ill when Joe fights. I'm flipping. I'm always there. Like in, in, in the Staples Center, that was the worst. Somebody I remember someone saying something to me just as I was about to leave. It was like Joe Hanks is a, called the future for no reason. He, he's Gave Andy Rui like he's 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 the real deal. He's gonna beat Joe Joyce, and I remember just like sitting in the car like this, and Joe Mark Toby. It was just like this. My face just went white. I'm like sat there like this. I was shitting my pants all the way there. I was eating Norafen like flipping Haribo sweets. I was like I was up, so nervous for that fight. But the Dubois fight, I, I was of course I was I was I was nervous when when the fight was when Joe was doing his ring walk and stuff. But I just knew he was going to win. I was so so confident. Out of all Joe's career wins. I was more confident in beating Dubois than anybody else. So, with with regard to that, then let's let's just kind of finish off the last the last ten minutes with with uh, a word about the the change in in direction that, that you've had recently, and just a yeah. bit of a chat about the current scenes. So, to walk away from that, um, you, you're still going to be friends, of course. You'll still have that relationship, but to walk away from that and from S Jam, um, that as you said, you founded with Adam Morley, and to join up with Probellum, who have appeared basically over the course of the last month. I remember all of a sudden I started getting emails, uh, press releases, and it seems like, you know, there's two or three kind of every day at the minute. Boxing is just in a very, very interesting place at the minute, promotionally, yeah. coverage-wise, in all sorts of in all sorts of ways. And and you've you've hitched your wagon to Probellum now. And and it can't have been, I mean, you, you, you know. You can just hear it in your voice there, just 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 how much that that journey with Joyce is kind of with Joe and your and your other fighters as as mentioned. Yeah. So to to leave that, you know that that's um, I mean that that that's saying something. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's a company that kind of it's nice to be wanted at the end of the day, but it's a company that kind of not matches my ambition. But there's some really great people involved in the company with huge ambition and. You can see by some of the press releases they've done already. If it wasn't as big as what I know it's going to be, I wouldn't. Obviously, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have done it. But I, I believe that we're, we're going to be we're going to be huge. I really, really do. I really do believe that. There's some more news coming. There's going to be news every single week. But there's going to be it's going to be a huge, huge project. Matt, boxing at the minute. We've talked about this loads, particularly over the last six months, for obvious reasons, with all the things that have happened with with Matchroom going with the zone and Sky signing 
with with Boxer. Um, obviously, Frank Warren's still going with 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 BT Sport. They've actually upped their number of dates with their kind of prospect contender series. McKennessy still doing his thing with Channel Five, and you know Wasserman teaming up with the Sowlands. You know, there's just been so many things. It's you've been you know you've been up to your neck in this for for a long time now, but I can't remember. I can't remember a period like this. I think, I think, look, in boxing, there's always moves being made. There's always people trying to get in. There's always people trying to consolidate what they've got. They're trying to grow their business. They're trying to nick someone out. You know, that's constantly <laughs> happening. You know what I mean? Always. But I, I do believe there are that many different moving plates at the minute. We are, this is unprecedented, the level of what's going on, you know, between the different networks, uh, you know, promotional companies and it's more you know the world's changing all the time isn't it you know it's more global now than ever internet what's like you know years ago it was a fax wasn't it do you know what i mean in the beer do you know what i'm saying it was nine to five now what's nine to five now there is what what is a nine to five does anyone work nine to five now i I don't know in boxing if you want to if you want to be stay ahead of the game in boxing if you're not a 24-7 person, forget about it. You're out yeah, of yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you, you, are, you are going to be get left behind. You know, that's that's just standard. That goes without saying that you've got to be a 24-7 man. Do you know what I mean? Because I always get asked why I don't sleep, Matt, because of that. Like, why do you not sleep? Because in case I miss something. Sleeping like this in case, in case you miss something. In boxing, you've got to be 24-7. Got to be. Because it's so global. So, you know, when I was in, when I was in New York... Um, well, when I say I was in New York, I was based in New York, had an apartment in New York, but I was in a different city nearly every week. But top rank were in Las Vegas. Conlon was training in LA, so that's West Coast. New York's three hours ahead. Eddie Hearn, who I was on the phone to a lot, is, you know, eight out, well, five hours uh, ahead. It was like, as one was getting up, one was going to sleep. And it was like, I was just, I was just non-stop off the phone, like non-stop. I was literally had to have, I had to bring my charger with me, my pocket, wherever I was going. I was going for a coffee or a restaurant. I'd sit the That's charger. That's my life. That's my life now. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, it still is now because, it, you know, it's still that way, but... You know, that's the way boxing's gone. So these times right now, boxer, you know, they've done the show in, in the Wembley. They've done another one up there in Newcastle. You know, Eddie's done a few shows now. He's a few months into his deal on the zone, BT. Uh, Frank isn't going anywhere. You know, the, the best fight of the year, Fury Wilder was on BT pay-per-view. You know what I mean? It's like, it's just, there's different channels, Fight Zone, Fight TV, they're popping up like Triller, haven't come through with the purse bid now, Eddie's got it, fuck me. Do you know what I mean? You, you, it's a whirlwind. I'm, I'm in it, you know, I'm, I'm in boxing and I'm getting fucking dizzy with all the different channels and promotional companies. It's hard work staying on top of it. Yeah, it is. It really is. It definitely is. It definitely is. And there's, there's main events just falling falling off of left, right and centre at the minute as well. Just this week, you know, White Wallin went and now Josh Taylor, uh, Jack Catterall has been has been pushed back to the end of the end of February. One thing I do wonder, just looking at it all, Sam, is the global aspect to it now is obviously is obviously a big thing. Pro Bellum are going for that. DAZN um, have always talked about that. But just with a, a regard to the UK market, are there too many promoters now and too many platforms and not enough fighters because basically everyone's going to be trying to trying to sign the same people aren't they i mean i look at what's happening or rather not happening i don't know what's going on behind the scenes you you would a lot better than me with the olympians 
Like the Olympics finished really quite a long time ago. Caroline yeah. Dubois, we know what she's doing. Yeah. Uh, and, and Peter McGrail has boxed, but I don't know if he's actually signed to anyone promotion. Everybody else, it, it could be that that they haven't reached their end date with GB yet or, or, or any of those things. But anyway, the Olympians is just an example. There's going to be so many people competing. Mm, yeah. Is there enough to go around? Is there enough food on the shelves is what I'm saying, basically? I, I, it's like, I don't know if it, you, what you think, Matt, but like, it means it, more money for the boxers, more platforms for the boxers, more opportunities. Like, let's be honest, right? You've got, who was on last week? Um, who was on last, uh, last, last week on the boxer show? Um, Huey Fury Savannah. Huey, Huey Fury Savannah they wouldn't have probably got I don't know like Savannah might not have got that opportunity to, to headline yeah when the, everyone knows in Newcastle that when the crowd's on it and, and jumping they're a, huge, they're a loud bunch I remember going to a few Lewis Ritson fights and Savannah might not have got that opportunity on the old platform I'm not saying that's a different but she got that opportunity on there so it's like it's good that they're getting these like the April Hunter like getting to fight on, on Sky Sports. I mean, I know the, the result didn't go away, but just using her for an example, like she may not have got that anywhere else. And pe- kids are getting these opportunities now that they probably wouldn't have get with when there's only Frank and, and, and Eddie going at it. Do you understand what I mean? There's now more, there's more it's, opportunities. It's, it's a fighter's market right now. It's a fighter's yeah. market. It's fucking hard work if you're a promoter or a TV network. That's yeah, ex- exactly. Because they are, they're, they're basically, a lot of them, and I'm not, I don't know everyone's business, but I'm telling you, there's a lot of people are fucking hemorrhaging money just to stay in the game. But the boxers, fucking hell, they've never, they've never had it so good because the competition is so high. There's only so much product, so much talent out there. And if you want to get that top talent, you're, you are paying for it. You really are paying for it because if you're not, someone else will. So the Olympians, boxers yeah. are massively benefiting from this. It's like what you said about the Olympians there, Andy. I mean, I know a couple of them very personally. They're just, there's bidding wars going on for them. I, I tell you, it's a real interesting one, that, because I've been contacted by quite a few different people saying to me, oh, how do I get in touch with this or this fighter or what's the protocol? And, and post-Olympics with these fighters, it's kind, of, it's kind of chaos, isn't it? Because there is no protocol. There sure. is nobody to really go through. You have to go direct to the to the fighter. <laughs> In an ideal world, maybe they would sign managerial terms. And Peter McGraw did do this, actually. They would sign managerial terms before the Olympics, and then people would know who they needed to go through. Promoters would know who they needed to go through. But it's almost like it, it, it all feels a bit kind of clandestine and cloak and dagger, doesn't it? Because they're amateurs, but we all know they want to turn pro. It's a kind of bizarre just a bizarre situation, really. No, they want to turn pro, but they don't know who to turn pro with. And how the fuck would they know? Of course yeah. they won't know. And anyone they speak to will convince them, you know what I mean, that they should... And there's a lot of competition as well, managerially. Can you imagine how much how much competition there is man, man, managerially now? So the boxer are thinking, well, fucking hell, I've got to sign with the manager first, then the promoter. So they're probably... There's bidding wars with the management companies. Before they even get to the promoters now. Exactly. But does there not need to be? And, you know, it can't really be any of the GB coaches because they're they're contracted to to GB boxing. Does there not need to be somewhere they can go? Maybe even, maybe we'd even, I'm reluctant to put everything on the British Boxing Board of Control, but there needs to be somewhere they can go for advice, doesn't there? 
at this stage because it just seems to me that they're kind of they're, they're kind of all like standing in the middle of this this kind of glass cage with people just wandering around it, having a good look at them. And yeah. you know, I'm not, I'm not underestimating these 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 individuals because they're smart, no. they're intelligent, they've been around boxing. But it doesn't matter, Andy. You could be the smartest person in the world. It's unknown. It's un. It's unknown, unknown territory. Yeah. So all of a sudden, you know, you and, and all these people that are selling it to them are competent people. So it's not necessarily a bad option. They're probably all good options, but which one's the best option? And what happens is, you know, you, you, I remember turning pro, you, you're, you're terrified of making the wrong move. So then what happens yeah. is you start overthinking it. You come, the indecision kicks in, and then you get to a point of paralysis of analysis. You don't know if you're coming or going. I remember when I was turning <laughs> pro, I couldn't fucking sleep for two weeks. It was horrible. Do you know what I mean? I remember thinking, fuck this. I was happy a week, two weeks ago. Now yeah. I'm the most miserable person. I haven't slept. You, do you know what I mean? So, and that was just, you know, that was me, ABA champion. I had a couple of options on the table, but it was like, really, if you're an Olympian and it's now more global and everyone's jumping on the UK market, you know, the zone, Sky are there, BT are there, you know, top rank. I've got a deal with Sky on the American things. Probably would love to have a presence on the UK. And so all of a sudden, you know, People are coming at fighters. All of a sudden, two weeks ago or six weeks ago, whatever the Olympics, they didn't have any of this. Now, all of a sudden, it's like bang, bang, bang. Oh, their heads must be spinning. So, I mean, how do you, I don't, I don't expect you to give me any names, but, but how, how are you kind of going about that, Sam? Or, or generally, how would you go about it when it doesn't have to be post-Olympics, a, a really so good like- fighter, a really good fighter turns pro. Do you feel like you've done enough now that, that you would think that, you know, if they if if they like the cut of your jib, they would come to you? Or will you put out a feeler but not chase it? I mean, how do you, it, how do, it, you do it? Is, it's mad, Andy, because like when, when I was at S-Jam, what I would do is like, you, you, I, I like to know the person before, like Darius Fulgham, who we signed, uh, who we signed at S-Jam before I, I left for Pro Bellum. I was talking to him for two and a half years. He's, he won golden gloves, and Matt, Matt, you know this. If you win golden gloves in America, it's, the, it's, a, it's a big honor, right? Um, so he was 2018 golden gloves winner at heavyweight. He was then number one ranked heavyweight in the United States of America, um, but he missed out on the Olympics because his qualifier, the last qualifier, the only qualifying chance he had, got cancelled because of COVID. So I've been talking to him for two and a half years. So I was confident even if he went to the Olympics, I would say, but then he went, he, he ran me, we, and we, we, we did a deal. And like, it's the same thing with like, Solomon Dakers, he was on the GB team. I had a report of building a rep- I was mates with him, became mates with him, I was talking to him, met him a few times, and we signed him. It's like with the GB, with the GB setup, Fraser Clark, I know him very, very well. Like I've, he lives right 10 minutes, 10 minutes around the corner from me. Um, so I, 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 I didn't even ever, he will tell you this is, I've never sales pitched him, just like gave him advice. Like, like if, if, if somebody, I was, I'm kind of, I was in S Jam thinking, I'm happy with what I have. If somebody wants to reach out to me, because a few did, and it, it doesn't materialise, it, it doesn't really matter to me because, like, I'm not not in that way. Like, oh, I don't care, but like, I'm just like, you're busy enough. Yeah, I'm busy enough, and it's like, and I know there's people like their bright brains, like you say, Matt. They will be frazzled because I, I, I mean, I was talking to Fraser the other day. Like, he's they get they, they, your offers from from America. You've got some from Ireland. You've got you've got some loads in this country. And then before that, this is before even even talking to a promoter. Do you know what I mean? So it's like that's why what I think the delay is because there's never been such a big delay 
it, it, uh, that I've ever seen. So, and that's just down for me to down to the competition that's in that's in uh, that's in, in involved. Simple as that, really. Yeah, that, that's 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 that, that's exactly it. And I, like I said, I, I don't know the I don't know the the solution to it. And there generally isn't one in boxing because of the lack of any kind of a um, uh, professional boxers association or or anything like that. But it just seems to me no that they, that's <laughs> it. they just they they just need they do need some help. They need some advice from a kind of impartial advisory body of some sort. But it doesn't exist, so it's fine for me to say that. But in, that's in reality, that's why I always said when I said whenever I met a fighter, I always say bring your dad or your mom. You must bring somebody that cares about you with you, to, so they can you can a second opinion because you might think I'm great, but your dad might think I'm a twat. Do you understand what I mean? So like you, I, you, I want that. That opinion, I like, I like to deal with, with um, with pe- with people like like a, a a son and a dad, or I don't know, a mum and a son. Like it's, that, that's that's I think that's the only way you can do it because, like you say, there's no real there's no regulator. No, nor nor has there ever been. Nor has there ever been. Um, I mean, do do you think though that we've outlined the kind of current scene and the amount of players that are in it now and I used the kind of shark tank analogy earlier on do you think that there are too many sharks in the tank now there's not enough food and that they're going to start eating each other it's like I say in in boxing look at Frank Warren he survived the longest like he's, he's still here now and he's still as, as Matt just said he's just put on the the, the, the best fight the way he's, he was a he, he co-promoted or whatever whatever it is on BT Sport, the channel that Frank Warren's promoting on, the best fight of the year has just happened. So he's been around the longest. Eddie's doing his thing on dessert. It's like the, whoever's it's like the strongest, but it's the strongest will, will survive. And that's just that's just how it is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it is the ultimate kind of survival of the fittest sport inside really and outside is. the ring. It really is. I mean, what what, the, the, what 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 do you make of it, Matt? Because, you know, we, we've had a sort of very vested interest in looking at all of this the last the last few months and it is a brilliant situation for fighters like you like you say but the downside of it is is that maybe it's difficult for the broadcasters now to put on the real kind of mega shows if you like that fans really want because there's so much competition for signatures it's difficult for any one promoter to have Eddie would say it's him but it's difficult for any one promoter to have going to help that Pro Bellum will help that. They want to kind of, they, that, that was the thing when I, they want to kind of unite boxing. They want to be able to get the fighters fighting on different platforms if it means making the fight, the, the fights that the fans want to see happen. That's, that was, that's a big, a big uh, thing for Pro Bellum. You know what I think? I think, look, you've got Eddie Hearn, who's been the man in the UK. We'll just talk about the UK scene for now. Eddie has been the man since 2010, 11. Right prior to that, it was Frank Warren. Now, a big part of Eddie being the man was he had an exclusive deal with Sky Sports, which is also, which is therefore when the boxing's on and Sky Sports News get behind an event, you're crossing over to the football fan because every football fan in the UK watches Sky Sports News on the hour you go to a pub, a bar, a restaurant, a deli, whatever. It's on repeat. So there's a fight being put there behind it and they're pushing the boxing. The casual fan, because most men will watch a fight even if they're not diehard, because the niche amount, the hardcore boxing, it's quite niche. It's not that many people. You'd be shocked the amount of people that buy the boxing news as opposed to how many people will buy an anti-Joshua Ruiz rematch because it was blown out of the water on the hype and the stories on Sky Sports yeah. News. 
So you've got the platform and the power of Sky, which definitely um, put Eddie where he was. But also Eddie was very charismatic, very hardworking. He was funny. He, he was the man to start making fights on social media. He played the social media game before anyone. So he... He was innovative, you know. He was new. He was fresh. He, he was he was in, he was innovating. He was coming with new things that had never been seen before. Um, he's built his name as well. His company's name, and they're, they're, they've been the, they've been the power player in the UK over the last ten years or so. With that, this guy who, who wants to do make the zone, the Netflix of sport, as I thought, hmm, that's a good guy. All the football rights, everything like that's taken up. In America, the NBA, the NFL, we can't penetrate that market. We can't get into them, but we wouldn't be ready to just yet. Anyway, I know. Let's fucking get our operations set up in something that we can penetrate. Boxing, Eddie Earn, mm, he's selling out Wembley with Anthony Joshua. Would like a bit of that. They've backed him. They've backed their man. He's gone to America. They've had a go. Everyone in America has almost like come together to thinking this fucker ain't coming over here to fucking run our show. We ain't going to do that here. So they've almost. Where normally they would have been at war with each other, Al Heyman and Top Rank. They've it's united. Like they've almost, it's like they've almost united just to freeze him out. So he's Eddie's what? Fuck me. This is a tough market, which it is anyway. So everyone's up the ante. The fighters are all benefit from it. The market value of a fight, whatever the market is, suddenly gone through the roof. And you know everyone's thinking boxing's like the glamour, isn't it? Oh, no. you know when you see Fury Wilder in Vegas or. Joshua Usyk, 70,000 people, Spurs, like it, fireworks going off, you know, famous celebrities. You don't get, when boxing's big, it don't get no bigger. It 100%. doesn't get any bigger. The biggest events, it don't get bigger. Right. But week to week, it, you know, coming down, it, it, to keep it going, it, it can be a slug. You know, speak to any small hall promoter, speak to guys who've got a TV budget, but maybe the fights don't sell. You know, it's tough. It's a tough business, but everyone wants a part of it. So, it's 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 it is mad times. Obviously, you've got just going running simultaneously happening at the same time as that. Television is changing. Streaming is a big thing. You know, YouTube, like these YouTubers. It's all. It, 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 these are these are unprecedented times. No one's no one's walked these paths before. So, you know, there's a lot of like guessing. No, no one really knows. No one can say with certainty what's going to happen, but. The fighters are benefiting benefiting from it. And what, and what I think ultimately it'll come down to, like I say, you've got Eddie there, who, who's got the fighters. You've got Sky, I've got the platform. Frank's got a platform and Frank's got fighters. But let's, if we just focus on the split with Eddie from Sky, who's gone to the zone. So Eddie's got the fighters and Sky have got the platform. Like, I don't know how many people have subscribed to the zone. And I don't know how many of those people who have subscribed are watching the last few shows. I don't know that the answer to that. I know that Sky have dug in. I know they've backed, they've done a deal with uh, Boxer. I know they've got the platform the platform behind it, as in they put it out on Sky Showcase, which is free to air. So they're definitely digging in for the fight. Now, it's like this. So the Sky's the platform, Eddie's got the fighters, but I just think, I just use this analogy. If, if there's a restaurant and it's had a fucking million pound refurbishment gone, gone on it, and it's all singing, all dancing, and the windows are the bollocks, and the decor is just state of the art. But you're going in the foodie shit. You ain't going back. You got to go to the place that might be dingy as fuck, but if the food's pucker. You're gonna because that's ultimately what you're going for. Yeah, it's nice if the restaurant looks the bollocks and all the rest of it, but really, it comes down to the quality of the food true, and, and it's, it's priced right, and the food's priced right. That's what it comes down to. So ultimately. 
it's eventually it's going to come down to the fight who's got the best fighters and who's making the best fights definitely that's ultimately what's going to win these battles and wars that's happening between networks and promoters and that's what it always comes down to in the end isn't it that that's yeah. what it always it, comes it, back it's to the in product the end. it's the product definitely Okay, well, we'll wind it up there. We'll wind it up there. We've taken up, uh, we've taken up enough of your time, uh, but this has been really good fun. I knew I've it enjoyed would be. It. You see, I always knew it would be. I was working <laughs> on Macklin from a few from a few months back. M- and, Matt, uh... do you still think I'm a dick? Have I passed the dick test? No, you was you was all right on the train, to be fair. <laughs> 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 okay okay so we'll be seeing you around we'll be seeing plenty of you i'm sure about that um and we'll do another one of these down the stretch because so many sure. things happen it's always uh we get people back on regularly regularly so thanks for listening everybody take it easy uh we will catch you again next time on the right, not that maggie back in town I- Said Jenny Diver, whoa, Suki Tawdry, look out to Miss Lottie Linya and old Lucy Brown. Yes, that line forms on the right, babe, not that Maggie's bag in Podcast Network.